everybody, Tyler Smith here. I uh, just wanted, before the episode starts proper, I uh, wanted to tell you about our sponsors. Uh, please don't fast forward. These people were kind enough to sponsor the show, so please just take a couple minutes and uh, listen to the services that they offer. So, this episode is sponsored by Mubi, a curated online cinema that brings its members a hand-picked selection of the best independent, international, and classic films. Every day, Mubi's curators introduce a new title, and you have 30 days to watch it. That means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy, all for only $4.99 a month. Plus, when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline. Currently showing on Mubi is The Seduction of Mimi, directed by Lena Wertmuller. Uh, our own Scott Nye, editor-at-large, called the film a bold piece of satire, but a surprisingly satisfying one. Uh, it sounds very interesting to me, and I highly recommend it. That is one of two films available on Mubi right now, directed by Lena Wertmuller. Uh, so you can watch these films and many more at Mubi.com. And there is also a special offer for listeners of Battleship Pretension. You can try Mubi free for a month. Just go to Mubi.com, that's M-U-B-I dot com slash Battleship to redeem now. This episode is also brought to you by the Movie Meltdown podcast and their music-themed spinoff show, Attack of the Killer Soundtrack. Every once in a while, the Meltdown gang changes gears and puts together more of a traditional radio show. But it still centers around movies, as the music played is all taken from film soundtracks. A Battleship Pretension, we've done our own version of this as well. And it's not just the hosts of the show that pick the songs to be played and discussed. Uh, the episodes also feature amazing special guests, uh, such as John Spencer of the John Spencer Blues Explosion. Uh, and let's see, Lisa Loeb. Uh, she discusses what it's like to go from being a relatively unknown singer-songwriter to having a number one single uh, overnight, just from being featured on a film soundtrack. So uh, these and many terrific guests sit in on Attack of the Killer soundtrack and talk about their favorite musical moments in film. And the best part is you don't even have to go looking for this other podcast. Just subscribe to Movie Meltdown and you'll get these episodes as well. So just go to MovieMeltdown.com or go ahead and click on uh, the Battleship Pretension ad and you can get there. And yeah, just subscribe to Movie Meltdown. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And now on with the show. Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I'm Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening, David. <sighs> oh, are you, are you sleepy there, little guy? A little sleepy. Oh, why are you so sleepy? Because it's a late night record. It is a late night record. That's right. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, 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 not a, I'm not a young man like I used to be. That's right. Um, like, like Henny. Like young gra- Grandpa Henny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it's not that... It, it's not that if we weren't recording, I'd be asleep right now. I right. would be awake right now, yeah. but I would just not be here you talking. Be on. <laughs> yeah, I might. Yeah, I might not be. So um, I'm always on, David. You know that. That's not true. Eight thirty in the morning. Well, I'm asleep. <laughs> <laughs> but if I'm awake, oh, I'm on. All right. Um, so well, that's that's enough dilly dallying. Indeed. Um, We've already done our, we've already paid our bills for the week. That's right. And thank you listeners for not fast forwarding through that. I'm assuming, (laughs) uh, why don't you introduce our guest? All right. So look, we got a bunch of podcasts in the fleet. The BP fleet, the BP podcasting fleet. And one of our, one of our, did we ever consider Armada? Was that considered at any point? No, I don't think so. I think we went with fleet, uh, pretty haphazardly. Yeah. Armada featuring what is it? Oh, it's somebody's Armada featuring other people. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember, but yeah, that's um, that's a great kids in the hall. Yeah, uh, I think I know a little something about the music 
industry. Uh, my favorite thing was well, the song. She's a tramp. She's a tramp. She's a trampoline girl. <laughs> um, but my favorite part is when the drummer wants to take a lunch break and the other guy says, I thought we agreed to arrive having eaten. <laughs> Which is, right. It's very difficult to work that quote into normal conversation, but I do whenever I can say, I thought we agreed to arrive having eaten. <laughs> um, so we're already off the bat. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, not so introducing yeah. our guest. So one of the most, uh, one of the more recent additions to the podcasting fleet is a show called I Do Movies Badly. It's a show that I'm a big fan of. I like the premise. I like the execution. I like everything but the host. I'm a little iffy <laughs> on him. But, uh, but you know what? I can fake it. David, fake it with me. Okay. Let's do it. Because he's here with us. Don't look now. He's oh. at the table. Is it this guy? Yeah. Okay. The guy who is seven and a half feet tall, off-puttingly tall. <laughs> no question about it. Absolutely. Yeah. I did not expect that when he got out of his car and just like, what? What? What is going on here? Is one of the Sentinels from X Men on the show tonight? Uh, so anyway, that's a fun fact that for an audio podcast will work great. Uh, but his name is Jim Roner. He's here visiting from New York. Jim, how you doing? Uh, the the first thing that I thought of when you I, I'm I'm fine by the way but the first thing that I thought of when you were talking about me getting out of the car was the Simpsons episode where Nelson's making oh, fun yeah. of the yeah. do you find something comical about my appearance <laughs> yeah <laughs> huge guy. Um, everybody needs a car even the very tall <laughs> look it's the boy that laughs at people let's laugh at him now <laughs> um, yes I, I was I was wondering this on the way here am I am I the guest that's traveled the furthest to be on this show. Uh, wait, hang on. Traveled in order to be on the show? Because you didn't come here for this purpose. No one has ever come here just to be on the show. So That's true, yes. Let's, so canceling I, that out, we can clearly uh, say no, because yeah. Will Anderson is from the other side of the world. Yeah. Really? Where's um, he from? He's Australia. from Australia. New York um, is further than that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jim. Yes. I will ask this on behalf of David. Where are you from originally? Uh, originally, I'm from New Jersey, the great mm. state of New Jersey. Um, Where in New Jersey? Uh, do you want the specific address? No, but uh, what town? Uh, well, we moved around a lot when I was a kid, but um, mostly uh, the, the, the place that my parents still live is where I've lived since I was in eighth grade. It's a little town called North Hilden in Passaic County. Um, anyone who knows anything about New Jersey has heard of at least the town Patterson, New Jersey, which I'm close to Patterson, New Jersey. Um, yeah, I've lived there pretty much my entire life with the exception of the four years of, of college, which I spent in beautiful central Pennsylvania. I couldn't say that without laughing. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, and then about three years ago, I, I, yeah, I moved to Brooklyn, New York. I've been there, uh, I've been there ever since. Um, and I, and I will say I didn't come to LA to be on Battleship Pretension, but that was certainly one of my agendas was to be here. Mm. So if it was everyone else was was busy and I was like, well, maybe I could be on Battleship Pretension, I still would have considered coming out here. Oh, all right. So, okay. I, okay. I, will, I will say this, and I'm not saying this just because that, that I'm here right now and hoping that Tyler doesn't hit me as soon as the microphones are, are, are turned off, but... You guys, this is my favorite film podcast, the Battleship Pretension. Mm. So I'm actually very like excited to be here. That's okay. very exciting. Yeah, uh, that's nice to hear. Thanks for that. Thanks. It makes me a little uncomfortable. Why does it make you uncomfortable? Um, I'm not good at uh, because everything that giving uh, compliments. Not good at that. Here's I don't, what I don't excel <laughs> at: the fine art of hearing people say nice things about me. Would you like me to even things out? <laughs> no, that's all right. okay. That's, that, that, that does it doesn't work like that. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. Now, 
growing up in New Jersey, sure. How did you become a New York Rangers fan? Uh, like most things, um, do you, do you, you don't have an older sibling? I have an older brother. Yes. Oh, do you? Okay. Do you have a? No, I'm the eldest of four. Okay. Well, mm. you, is it? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but then I'm sure that at least you can experience it from the other side where your older siblings influence you in regards to like some of the music you started listening. Oh, to sure. Because your older brother. I mean, when I was a kid, my older brother was a New York Rangers fan, um, so that was just kind of what I started watching. Yeah. And plus. Um, when I was younger, and Lisa started getting into it, the New, the New Jersey Devils were not the success they ultimately ended up becoming. So the Rangers were kind of the more prestigious one. And, and I mean, just a kid in New Jersey who, in some of the houses he lived in, like the New York skyline was like right out my bedroom window. Mm-hmm. There was a prestige there of New York, you know, the allure okay. of New York. Um, and then I moved there, and that allure moves off, runs, <laughs> wears off pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, that was just kind of it. Was uh, it was it started with my brother, and then he eventually kind of faded out, and that was sort of something. It almost kind of became one thing, as you can attest to, I'm sure, David. Not there are not many hockey fans, or, or you know, not many. I'm sure maybe now with L.A. being uh, what they are, that there's a lot more casual fans that have sprung up. But hockey was always sort of like my thing. Right, right, um, right. I, yeah. I didn't really have too many friends who were, so that was sort of like it became my sort of thing, too. So It does have that. I, I do feel like there are certain people like myself, possibly, who gravitated toward hockey because it's <laughs> there's, you know, there's football basketball baseball and then there's well below about that. 50 miles of bad road <laughs> yeah. and then hockey is like the number four sport yeah. and so i, I do find that kind of it's like the hipster that sport <laughs> is what you're saying i guess that's what I'm if saying. armin yeah. white enjoyed any sports <laughs> at all he would enjoy uh, hockey now i can't saying. watch hockey <laughs> um i like to think armin white would be a big quidditch fan as well <laughs> i uh uh speaking of being an older brother and having influence i have a distinct memory of getting my younger brother who was probably in like fifth grade at the time to write the names of like no effects and other like <laughs> epitaph records, punk bands on his like folder <laughs> in school. It's like, these are the cool bands to be into. Uh, he had, and he had no idea who no effects was. No, probably. but that's the, <laughs> the that's, uh, I guess that's what I, I guess that's what it was like yeah. being a younger brother. I would have no idea. Yeah. I've always have, been the eldest on, on that note. Have you listened or re-listened to uh, punk and Drublick recently at all? Uh, that's the one I probably revisit the most often. Okay. So yeah, I probably it, have it holds up pretty well. It definitely well, yeah. does hold up. Yeah, pretty good one. That's the thing. Now, I'm sure Tyler, you can relate to this. Maybe not with I'll do no my effects, best. especially. But this is something I talk about with my wife sometimes. That there's like if you're into a band, right, and then you stop being into them, mm-hmm. and they but they keep making new music. Mm-hmm. Anything after you've stopped being into them you think of as their new stuff, <laughs> oh, right? Oh, yeah. So there are no effects albums that are 20 years old that I'm like, I never got into their new stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, that's how I was. That's how I'm with the uh, nine inch nails. I stopped listening mid nineties, uh-huh. maybe late nineties if I'm being generous. And then it's just like, I'm shocked that he still makes new music. It's good stuff. I've heard it's marvelous. It's just like, it's like, so I stopped listening and then he took a long break and then he did the score to uh, a social, social network. <laughs> right. Right. Well, he kind of, I mean, you really only missed one or two albums cause he does tend to take five or six years yeah. in between okay. albums. What's the one? Didn't he give one away for free? Uh, a lot of people do that. Oh, is that, is that the hip thing to do now? Like if oh, you're, yeah. in, you're thinking of you too. <laughs> oh, that's it. Okay. No, I do two, get them mixed up quite a bit. Like showed up at everyone's house <laughs> and like dropped it through the mail slot. Um, no, yeah, everybody. Yeah. There's a lot of free albums. It seems like, or surprise albums. That's the, that's the big thing now is like surprise. Like, I feel like it's Beyonce did it where it was right. 
like and she did it right she had made a huge album and included like made a video for every song all in secret and then debuted it all one day and it was amazing and now i feel like every third act is like surprise we have a, we have an album <laughs> we're like oh uh i didn't know it was supposed to be yeah. like, <laughs> i don't know who you are i'm sorry surprise you're a band <laughs> but that wasn't who was it is it you two uh where it just showed up in people's yeah, iTunes. Yeah, yeah, that was. Yeah. Oh boy, that's. I still, I still haven't been able to figure out how to get rid of it. Yeah, the... <laughs> <laughs> you can't just delete it. No, I guess not. You, you have to. Well, you have to do it through your computer. The problem is my computer where I had all my iTunes died, so I haven't even mm. hooked up my phone to the computer I have. I'm kind of afraid that if I do, everything will get messed up. Fair enough. Fair enough. Because I don't understand how technology works. Well, the thing, you got to open up the back, take a screwdriver, and just like, <laughs> just roll it back right. to when you didn't have that U2, <laughs> that U2 album. So, uh, so okay. Uh, Jim, tell us a little bit about yourself. You love New Jersey. You love the Rangers. You love uh, big and tall shops. Um you know what uh what kind of tell us about your about growing up and going to film school and that kind of thing yeah how did you get, how, how did you get into movies was that also an older brother thing no um i, I mean i think like every kid what's, what's your older brother's taste in movies like uh well I, I have two older brothers Oh, okay um honestly my oldest brother i don't know what he likes um uh and it, it's weird uh he he actually uh, in terms of his his sports affiliations, he's actually he loves all the Philadelphia area sports teams. Okay, I don't know where that came from, um, but I, I get the feeling he's more of like um, you guys. There's just like an any anything but New Jersey mentality yeah. in the Roner family. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Which is why like New Jersey like Devil sports fans have such a chip on their shoulder too, because uh-huh. they're it's it's always you're you're a Philadelphia fan or you're a New York sports fan. You're not a New Jersey Devils fan because New Jersey doesn't really have any other major sports team because the Nets left. Right. Um, I think that's pretty much it. Um, <laughs> to, to be honest with you, um, I, I, there's some like minor league baseball teams, and uh, sure. I, actually, I think um, there is some professional football or European football, so soccer to us, I suppose, sure. that does have an arena in Newark. I don't know who they are, okay, but it's it's soccer in America, so it's not popular, right? Um, what was I talking about? Oh, my brothers. Uh, so my oldest brother. I mean, I feel like he's kind of just like a, you know. He's a pretty mainstream kind of guy. My middle brother um, is actually, he's quite into silent films. Um, so Buster Keaton. He should have been here last week. Yeah. Charlie Chaplin. Yeah, Tyler was telling me um, off mic a little bit of stuff. Um, the Marx Brothers, he got me into the Marx Brothers because he, uh, one of his master's degrees, yes, he has more than one master's degree, was in theater. So he's very much into, he was into like. Uh, so does my, he does he think he's better than us or what? Yes. Okay. All right. That's just making sure. <laughs> um, and be, especially because he lives in San Francisco. Oh, um, there you go. So, well, Oakland. I should be fair. He lives mm. in Oakland. But oh, I've got, I've got, I've got a whole chunk on San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been to San Francisco. Uh, so. It's beautiful. It's I love, a, I'm sure it's, it's beautiful. City, yeah. But their whole thing, their whole reputation for being smug, mm-hmm. it's all just insecurity. Because they know that everyone else in the country and everyone else in the world, when they think of California, mm-hmm. the city they think of is Los Angeles. Oh, sure. Yeah. And so they've got this whole thing. Like, here's here, here here's the thing. I used to, my name my name is David. This was on my birth certificate. Okay. I used to be very like for a long time until maybe my mid twenties. I was like. 
my name is David. If someone called me Dave, I'd be like, I'm sorry, I'd prefer it if you called me David. <laughs> and it's because I wasn't confident in who I was yet. Mm. Now, I don't give a fuck if people call me David, mm. or Dave, or Davey. I, mean, I, I embrace being called Davey mm, at this yeah. point. Um, and that's the thing. When, when people from San Francisco are like, oh, we don't like... When, when, when you say Frisco or San Fran, mm. they're like, oh, we don't call it that here. Mm. It's because they are so unshaky and insecure in yeah. their identity. Like, you know, trying to be like, Oh, we don't, uh, we don't want to be as like, they, they act like they don't want to be thought of the way Los Angeles is. Oh, we're really more of a European city. It's like, no, you're a high schooler trying on different like yeah. phases. You're trying to figure out who your identity is. Get over it. Let people call you Frisco or San Fran or whatever. Yeah. It should, if you were more confident in who you were as a city, it wouldn't bother you at all. So get the fuck over it. And it's just be of, happy. People are talking about, about you at all <laughs> i'm sure it's a great place but there's this whole thing like uh it's just calm down san francisco like no one why do you have this chip on your shoulder we all everyone in los angeles loves san francisco yeah you they they hate us yeah. you don't see but, this shit with san diego no they know yeah, who they are yeah san diego is cool it is because they don't they don't exactly. care they're cool because they're confident yeah exactly san diego is laid back they're cool they're devil may care San Francisco, you know what? You probably just enjoy life a little bit more, yeah. bit more if you get over yourself and calm down and just relax. Just be okay with who you are. And don't be bothered if I want to say Frisco, which I don't, which I wouldn't if it didn't piss you off. Right. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I have this whole, I, I, I am very bothered by the whole San Francisco uh, mentality Um even though I've never been there. Um, and uh, you just gave me a chance to vent. So this is, this is, that is literally like a tirade that has been in my head for years. Wow. And, I, and it's never come out before. So that is my venting about San Francisco. Cool it. Thanks, Jim. <laughs> can, can you forward me any emails you get from San Francisco listeners? Because I want to know what the reaction to that is going to be. I, I'm going to assume not great. <laughs> right. But they'll just be like... Like, oh, you just, you think you're so great living in Los Angeles? Yeah, I guess you are. Yeah, that's it'll it. just be that. <laughs> so, yeah, oh, San Francisco is the cool girl in Inside Out. When you get inside her head oh, at the sure. end, Absolutely. and she's like, "They're going to find out I'm a fraud." Yeah. That's what San Francisco is. <laughs> so you're saying San Francisco is a fraud? It no, it's concerned that it's a fraud mm. and it's undercutting itself. I Got think it. San Francisco is probably a great place is. that is tripping over itself Indeed. by trying to convince everyone that it's a great special place. It's the gorgeous girl that like doesn't it wears glasses okay. and thus doesn't know. It doesn't know. I don't think that's actually, I don't think that metaphor hold, it, it applies to what I'm saying. I think I got it. So, um, you've got a brother from San Francisco, <laughs> something about San Francisco yeah. that um, was important. He's, he's, well, he's lived all around though. He also, before San Francisco, he lived in Chicago and I know that you've, Woo. you guys have lived in Chicago before. And before that he lived in Pittsburgh before that he lived in Philadelphia and before that he lived in New Jersey. So he's kind of been all over the place, but he, he, uh, when he studied theater, he was very big into like mime and vaudeville and that kind of stuff. So silent films are things that, you know, kind of really appeal to him. So, um, for Christmas, he'll buy me like Buster Keaton films or that kind of thing. So I have the general on, on my DVD rack because he bought it for me for Christmas one year. And he was the one that, yeah, that introduced me to, to the Marx brothers. So, um, yeah, but I guess, uh, but I mean, movies in terms of how I got into them, like, you know, like all kids, I was into movies, you know, like, uh, like all kids I, I saw, Star Wars when I was in like middle school and was absolutely blown away by it. And that was sort of what got me into movies. But I guess I didn't really get into, to like specifically like a passion and, and something that I want to pursue until really, really until college. Um, I entered college uh, as an English major thinking I, I was into writing. And so I wanted to be the next Stephen King because I loved horror and I loved writing. I'm like, well, I can combine those two things. But, um, 
uh, my the these the college that I went to didn't really wasn't fertile ground for that. Um, I remember working for two years to get to a 300 level uh, fiction workshop course. On the very first day, the professor said, "Let me be clear, this is not a genre writing course." <laughs> and I kind of checked out after that. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, I had taken an intro to film course. And I was like, "Well, this is pretty cool. Um, maybe I could switch to this." And so I, I, I switched to, to film when I was a junior. Uh, in college and after that it was straight A's and I was loving the work that I was doing I was like oh maybe maybe this is what I'm supposed to be doing with my life to a certain degree um, but it was also rather intimidating because uh, a lot of the kids that I went to that I went to school with some of whom live out here and are, I've just seen the reason they're wonderful people um, they they knew they wanted to like work in the movie business since they were like eight years old and it was something I sort of stumbled upon because what my original plan didn't work out yeah um, so it was sort of like a Film was your fallback. It, it, it certainly seemed like it was. Oh, boy. Um, but, then, um, but then I started getting into it, and I realized I loved it, but I was also like late to the party in so many regards, including all these classic films and filmmakers that people had already seen I had not, which is you know, kind of the, one of the, the reasons behind the I Do Movies Badly podcast was just that there's so much stuff out there that I know I need to see that I have to be part of the conversation with. Well, put a pin in that because we're going to get okay. back to that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Real quick, what do you, can you say what you're doing in Los Angeles? You didn't come out here just to be an on battle. No, I, that's been established. He came here to be on more than one lesson, and then, <laughs> okay. yeah. as tends to happen, BP was just the side thing. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, I'm here on vacation. Um, it's uh, I, I don't I don't do vacation very often because I either uh, don't like traveling by myself or don't have money for mm-hmm. it. Uh, but this year I was kind of uh, at work. They kind of told me like, listen takes a vacation because you you never do and you can't carry anything you can't carry many over so i'm like all right so i i just took a random week in november off and then i started thinking oh maybe i'll go to los angeles i have a lot of friends out here that i haven't seen in a few years um tyler i had never actually seen face to face even though i had talked to him he'd he's been a guest on my podcast at least twice um and so i figured i'd, I'd come out here and, and the, the last time i was out here was three years ago for a friend's wedding and so i didn't really get to experience los angeles you know i, I was kind of here but I didn't do not even touristy things, but I didn't really kind of get to see what what makes Los Angeles special. And so, um, as I was telling you, uh, b- like off mic before that, uh, I, I've warmed up to a bit more because I was I was unimpressed the first time I was here. But that's also because I was not really exploring Los Angeles. And so I, we've we did um, a lot of movie things. You know, we drove around Mulholland Drive. You know, went to the Griffith Observatory, um, saw the Sunset Strip, and used my imagination to think what it might have looked like in 1988 when Guns N' Roses was going <laughs> right. up and down it. Um, and then I. I I think we found the Sharon Tate murder house. Oh, I'm not entirely sure, but I think we found it. AKA to bring it back. The house where the nine inch nails album, the downward, downward spiral was, uh, really? recorded. I don't think I knew that. Yeah. Yes. That's interesting. I definitely didn't know that. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think what, uh, what sort of other, other stuff have, have I done here, but so this is stuff you did this time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. The la- last time I was here was just, I was, um, I, I was introduced the first time to movie theaters where you can select your seat after you buy your ticket, which is right. wonderful and something New York does not yet have. They still don't have that. I, I believe they have. They're they're starting to institute it, but it's not a a, a very common thing. Because um, I know I know does I don't know if Draft House does it. We do have a Draft House, but it's in Yonkers, which okay. is not really close to New York City, at least not where I am in, in, in the city. But we don't have a draft house yet. That's right. true. Yeah, and we're, we're, Brooklyn is getting one soon, too, I believe. I think sometime next year, but... I yeah, it's we're still, getting one downtown. 
I think. I have no idea. Denver has one, and we don't have one. Really? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Hmm. Sorry, go on. Interesting. Um, but yeah, it's still, uh, if you're going to go to a, a big movie theater in, in New York, it's going to be an AMC or a Regal, and you, you better hope that there's a seat for you when you show up there. So, <laughs> um, But that's what I did last time. And I remember last time I was here, I saw Paranorman, which I was a, a big mm, fan of. That's a good one. Um, at the Arclight, which it's a wonderful theater, the Arclight. Yeah. Uh, Arclight Hollywood? Uh, no, I think it was I think it was one in the Sherman Oaks Gallery. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I can say that now with confidence because I know that because I on my routes here I've I've driven past the gallery I think four times <laughs> so I keep seeing it because uh, I went from the airport when I wrote when I arrived a rove is that a word no it's, it's arrived now. okay arrived yeah um, and drove up to see a friend in Sherman Oaks and then drove down to stay with my friend in Playa del Rey and then drove back up here tonight and then I have to drive back down to the airport tomorrow so I'm just I'm I'm getting real intimate with the 405 yeah, yeah. that's that's Ugh. one way to do it. <laughs> All right. Um, real quick, I want to tell you about tweakedaudio.com. Mm-hmm. It's where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of styles and colors. It's where I yeah. go. It's where anyone who knows their ass from their elbow goes <laughs> when they want to get earbuds. Um, they look great. They sound great. Uh, and they're at a low, low price to begin with. But if you go to tweakedaudio.com and at the end... I still oh, I keep starting that off wrong. If you at, if at the end of your perusing the site, you've picked out what you want to yeah. what you want to get for yourself and for, for your friends and family. Christmas is right Absolutely. around the corner. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't know it from those Starbucks cups, but it's right <laughs> around the corner. Um, once you've got all that done, you put in the offer code pretension at checkout. You get one third off and no shipping charges. That's tweakedaudio.com offer code pretension. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, let's get into it, shall we? Indeed. Um, We are going to talk about your podcast, which is called I Do Movies Badly. We've mentioned it a few times now. Mm -hmm. Describe to us the premise of your podcast. I mean, Tyler and I know, but you know, for right. the listener, I'm okay. a little hazy on it actually. <laughs> well, well, you've been drinking all day. That's true. Yeah. So. And I'm exhausted. 11 PM is not my time of day. <laughs> You're usually just getting up right now. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> I mean, so, so basically, I mean, like, like I started, so we'll return to the pin if you will. Right. So, oh, indeed. Oh, yeah, look that, at you. That's, that's what the, in the biz they call that a callback. I think what's up. <laughs> in, in, I'm sure in some biz they call it that. Indeed. Yes. Um, but so being this idea and, and despite the fact that I, I did come to film rather late, like I said, there was a lot of filmmakers that I hadn't seen. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I didn't even see the Godfather until after I graduated college. Like it was, you know, that that's a seminal piece of American mm-hmm. filmmaking. And I, I didn't even see that until I was 22 years old. Um, but uh, but being into film, I, I still tried to to get into it and, and find ways to to incorporate myself in it. So I, I would do amateur film criticism. I used to write for this this website called uh, the Script Lab. I used to write for more than one lesson um, website Chud a while back. I, mm-hmm. I, I did some blogging for them. Um, 
I had a very brief tenure on whatculture.com, uh, but apparently they expect you to write regularly, so they, they, they said I was no longer part of the fold. <laughs> um, and I did, I believe, at one point apply, quote-unquote, to be a, a BP writer, but I think at that point all the slots had been taken. So, oh. um, but uh, I, and, and You can... You can uh you can write for us if you want. Yes, you're, you're more <laughs> yeah. than welcome at this point. Yeah, as is anybody. Email david at battleshipretention.com. Okay. Not anybody. Well, not anybody. <laughs> Someone who's a member of the fleet is, to me, anyone who has a podcast in the fleet is, like, could send me a submission, a written submission, and I would be like, yes, well. That's true, yes. Because they're already part of the family. Yeah. Look, there come. But no, not you get a anyone. Lot of, you got a lot of perks when you join the fleet. You okay. can you can vote for the BPs. Yep, which I've done. I did that last year for the first time. That's right. Yeah. Very, And you present. You were presenting. Yeah. You weren't in studio. There's <laughs> not. You know, you were via satellite. Yep. Uh, is that the only perk? And you can write for us, apparently. <laughs> you could be on the show. You can be on the show. That's if true. that's something that you want. Um, I kind of insist yeah. on it. Yeah. But yeah, speaking of our contributors, we got to have, uh, we, we need some more people in Los Angeles. Oh yes. No who question. Can go to, we have a, we have a press screening invite for hunger games, mocking J part two, just sitting there. No one can go. <laughs> That's so frustrating, right? <laughs> That's perfectly good content. That review. Uh, I it's may wind up. I, I might, be able to move some stuff around and I might be able to take it. You let me know. Okay. Uh, anyway. Um, so you do this podcast. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and so, uh, but there, there was, and so I I was doing that stuff for a while and listening to a lot of film podcasts. Uh, I mean, listening to you guys, uh, the golden brief race criterion cast slash film cast for a while. And so I was super into it, but I was also at the same time, pretty intimidated because whenever you listen to a podcast, it kind of she's like, wow, these guys have such encyclopedic knowledge and I don't. And it's sort of after a while, I kind of started feeling like as weird as it sounds, almost kind of started feeling like I'm, I'm a bad film fan because I'm, I don't have that sort of exposure. Um, I have both of you now seen trees lounge at this point or is one of you still, I've, I've still I, never I seen, seen it. Yes. Right. So, oh, he, that, no, you had, had always seen, it. Oh, yeah, this was okay. about me not <laughs> having <laughs> seen trees lounge and somehow that being <laughs> somehow trees lounge is the cornerstone <laughs> of like yeah. cinema <laughs> understanding and the fact that I haven't seen it. And, I, I have always, and am always seeing it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, now I guess I'm not seeing it out of spite. I have the DVD. Oh, uh, do you really? Yeah. I just, okay. uh, um, and I will get around to it someday. Right. It's good. It's a good movie. I'm sure it is. Yeah. But, uh, but just uh, in, and feeling intimidated, like in, in the sense of like, almost like I didn't have the right to call myself a cinephile because there was so much stuff I hadn't seen and hadn't exposed myself to. And so I thought, well, the podcast is, a, is not only a good excuse for me to do that, but to also kind of, this may sound incredibly presumptuous or pretentious to me, but to kind of be the voice of the everyman, like the kind of person who's like me, who's listening to these film podcasts and is kind of saying like, Oh, I don't, I feel like I'm not as good at being a film fan because I'm not like these people. Um, and so kind of saying like, Hey, I'm, I'm not either. And it doesn't really, you don't have to have seen all this stuff or you don't have to necessarily go along with consensus or be a contrarian to kind of be a good film fan or film follower right. just kind of matters what you ultimately get out of it or, you know, of, of a viewing experience. So that's kind of long and short of it. And it's been a lot of fun. I've talked to a lot of cool people. Both of you guys have been on, on this. Uh, so the way it works is that the first week of every month mm-hmm. you have a guest on who, uh, is a subject matter expert or, or, or just an enthusiast mm-hmm. of a certain director or a certain genre or yep. whatever they, you guys have an introduction episode. Here's what to look for with this. And that person suggests three movies. Yeah. And then, and then over the rest of the month you watch and 
just you solo watch and review one of those movies a week. Yeah, so it's me and a guest for the first of the month, and the next three are just sort of me reviewing, giving my thoughts on them, um, sometimes coherently, sometimes a bit ramblingly, uh, always with various levels of curse words mm-hmm. um and it's 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 been a lot of fun because i have talked to a lot of cool people and i've been exposed to a lot of films that i wouldn't normally seek out on my own um responded to a lot of films that i didn't think i necessarily would i found myself being a big fan of douglas sirk which i didn't expect to be the case who was your expert for douglas sirk uh douglas sirk was scott and i actually right. um and right now you're in the middle of a month i'm very excited for you because mm-hmm. you're uh watching jane campion jane campion yeah what has been selected for you for jane campion uh the piano bright star and sweetie in that order actually oh okay see i when i was on uh, and i was your joe dante guy mm-hmm. i went chronological and yep. i feel do most people go chronological most people go chronological with two exceptions jane campion and and the leanne hoover who was a guest for it she actually did it purposely because she kind of said like um in terms of it, not in terms of quality or even in terms of style but i i guess more in terms of style like the piano is kind of in the middle uh, in terms of like art house accessibility, but then also sort of like mainstream sensibilities. And then bright star is kind of a swing in one direction and sweetie is a swing in the other direction. Um, hmm, I can do that. So she yeah. kind of wanted me to, to start out kind of like in the middle and then, you know, then kind of get exposed to the, to the extremes, if you will. And then, um, a guy named Daniel Walber, uh, who was on for Pedro Amadovar. Um, he actually he actually did it in in regards to the his recommendations started most recently and worked backwards because in it, which three films did you watch for Almodovar? Because uh, that's a huge list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was um, all about my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, Time me up, tie me down, and uh, Matador. And the reason that he did that was because he said early Almodovar is kind of like pure unadulterated and can be really kind of alienating if you're not on board with his style. So the way that he kind of did it was, was sort of like you're starting out dipping your toes in the water, then kind of getting deeper into it, which is actually interesting because Matador was the only one that I liked. <laughs> really? Um, yeah. Uh, and uh, I mean, I, I certainly you didn't appreciate, like All About My Mother. I appreciated that one more than I liked it. Um, and t- honestly, Tommy Up, Tommy Down, I was like I found kind of reprehensible. Here's the thing. I love timing up, timing mm-hmm. down, but I 100% understand <laughs> feeling that way. Cause it does ask you to like, I guess, you know, be, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You have to sit back and accept some things happening yeah, yeah. that you don't. Yeah. And, and I was, I found myself being quite uncomfortable with, yeah. with accepting that on its own terms. And Matador, I think I really liked because of how, bizarre and extreme it sort of was um so that and so it was actually kind of interesting i kind of wish he would have actually maybe given a bit more and i remember talking to him a few months later and telling him how and, and he actually kind of took it upon himself he's like hey it could have just been that i i didn't recommend the, the right three titles for you right which is kind of interesting because i've gotten a lot of feedback from the the guests too that talk about how much fun it is because no matter like you can be a film writer uh, and you know you can write for bp or for whatever but you you kind of keep more towards more generalized. Whereas people who love a certain filmmaker, it's like, well, this is their chance to kind of like really talk about why they love that, you know, that person or that sort of thing. And so, um, people have been on also been like, Oh, I know other people who would love to be on this for you. Like, yeah. you know, cause they, they want an excuse to talk about a filmmaker that they love who doesn't, nece- who isn't necessarily loved, uh, by, um, more people or, or that, but it, it's, it's been a, it's, it's been a lot of fun and especially cause, cause kind of seeing, 
different lenses through which people recommend certain films. So, I mean, Cronenberg was, was recently for October for uh, specifically like body horror of David mm-hmm. Cronenberg. And a friend of mine was listening to it and he, he agreed with all three titles, but he's also like, but I disagree with all the reasons that he recommended <laughs> those three for you, which is really interesting to kind of get yeah. that kind of feedback too. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a lot of fun just exposing myself to things like, like I said, I, I wouldn't normally probably seek out on my own time and it gives me an, an excuse and a reason to kind of educate myself. Um, and to also kind of find my own, uh, find my own voice. It was, it was, a. Uh, the second month I actually, I don't know how many people know this. I don't know if I've mentioned this specifically on the show, but I almost kind of gave up in the second month because second month was Ingmar Bergman, which I really didn't respond to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember kind of Tyler actually ha- kind of having to talk me off the ledge. Cause I'm just like, I, I'm, I don't, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. And it's so why would anyone listen to a guy who doesn't know what he's talking about? And Tyler's message was kind of like, well, listen, if anyone's going to listen, it's because of what you specifically have to say and not because they're coming to you because you're an expert, which was actually very helpful. Um, and, and that's something that I, that I've kind of tried to embrace and just kind of think like, okay, well, I don't really understand this, or I'm sure that this thought is not what anyone else would have, but just go with it because that's, that's what I would think about it. And so if it's against consensus then that's fine, or if it's with consensus, because some of these films are, I mean, how many people have written about persona and talked about persona? There's only so much I can say about persona that everyone else has already said. Eight, <laughs> eight people have written about it. <laughs> um, so it's like realizing that what I'm going to say is probably not adding anything new, but at least it's new to me. So, well, yeah, I mean, that's why people are listening. And that's, I mean, I guess there are podcasts out there that are just purely informational mm-hmm. and that's, that's great. But if someone is listening to a personal podcast, like yeah. what you bring to it is, I mean, I, I would, um, I would imagine I would, I would have, I would have more interest definitely in, listening to episodes where you talk about things that I've seen to hear new ideas as opposed to just hear, you know, if I, if I want to read, learn about a movie I haven't seen, I can just like read the Wikipedia entry and (laughs) pick some things up. Like it's, it's the interpretation of stuff that makes, that makes it interesting. And I guess that's why we do the podcasting thing. And, and it does, I feel like the format can lend itself to somebody you know, hearing about Jane Campion, Cronenberg, Joe Dante, whatever, and saying like, oh, you know what? I actually don't know much about this person. Maybe I'll watch these movies as well and just sort of listen to Jim's interpretation, bounce it off of my own. Like it's, I don't know. That's, I, I always was, a, I was a big fan of, of your, your format and, uh, and what it, what it can allow. Because one of the reasons that, um, we are talking about what we're talking about today, which is linked very much to your podcast, mm-hmm. um, was your fairly recent episode about Videodrome, which I think is maybe a, a, a best for you uh, as far as yeah, thank you. your episodes. Um, because, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's... And David, maybe you can relate to this as well. I, I certainly know that I can, that when you put yourself out there as a critic, uh, you're still going to have blind spots. And you can either be ashamed of the blind spot or you can be like, okay, I'll go ahead and just watch it. And then, then at least I, at least I have it. Mm -hmm. But then even worse, potentially worse is you watch this movie that people have said, you should, you got to see this. You watch it and you're like, Oh, I, hmm, I don't really care for it. (laughs) Or at the very least, as you uh, said with Videodrome, I don't get it. Um, and, you know, so many other people talk about certain movies with such confidence and such authority that when you approach it, like, 
I'm not even saying I didn't like it. I just don't really get it. And those people probably aren't going to make you feel bad, but you will project that onto them like they are judging you, or at least that's what I do. And, and so your, your video drone, but I feel like ultimately you have to be true to yourself and you have to be honest to your, uh, honest about your reaction to the film. Otherwise, what's the point mm-hmm. if you're just going to fake it? And I think that's what I liked about the Videodrome episode is because you are very, it, it's almost, there's almost a stream of consciousness element to it because you're working this stuff out as you're saying it, which mm-hmm. I actually really like. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about that one and then we'll okay. move on. Sure. Um, and I'm actually, I'm, I'm quite proud of that episode too. So thank you for bringing that one up because, and, and that was the first in, in peek behind the curtain here. I used to just watch the movies and then kind of like develop my thoughts and then like a day or so later record the episode. And it was only really recently that what I started doing was realizing that some of the episodes that frustrated me so much was because I, I hadn't collected myself. So this is, this may be common practice for some people, but then I just at least started sitting down and taking notes and just kind of like in even not even any sense of organization, but just like, here's this, what stuck out to me. And these are random thoughts. And I tried and connect them later to see if I, like a coherent episode could be made out of it. And I did that with Videodrome because there's, there's so much going on in that film. I mean, there's, and, and like, and I still don't understand why some of it is the way that it is. And, and one thing that was encouraging to me was <clears throat> cause on, on certain films that confound me to a certain degree, I'll, go online and read other stuff to kind of see like if I could bounce ideas and what I agree with and what I disagree with. And I came upon an, uh, a blog about Videodrome from the dissolve, which I used to love when the dissolve was on and, and the dissolve was a lot of intelligent people writing for that. And one of the blogs I came upon was the person who was writing it. I don't even know if it was Nathan Rabin, but it was somebody from the dissolve who was just kind of admitting to like, they don't understand the movie either. And that was really encouraging to me. It's like, Oh, this guy who's much smarter than me also doesn't get it. So that means it's fine for me to feel that way too. Um, but I didn't, yeah, I know. don't think, I don't think <clears throat> quote unquote getting a movie mm-hmm. is necessary to appreciating a movie. Do you know? What I mean? Like, I don't think there. That's that's a correlation. Mm-hmm. I think there's there's movies that I don't get, mm-hmm. but that I love. Right. Well, and that's that's the thing that kept me earlier. You know, early on, it's what kept me from embracing Mulholland Drive. Is I I wanted so badly to get it, and I think I was unable. And and uh, last year at Marienbad, mm. where I think the idea of a film purely as not to imply that there there's nothing to get but film as an experience Mm -hmm. just engaging not merely your intellect and maybe even not primarily your intellect but like your emotions and just this i don't know trying to tap into something deeper uh i feel like that's something that i was very resistant to i thought that you know i was 20 maybe 19 when i saw uh, last year, Marion Bad and, mm-hmm. and and Mulholland Drive. I think I saw them the same year, actually. And um, and I was just so resistant to it because it's just like if I can't explain it, then or or it, if I feel like if I don't feel like there's at least an explanation, whether I have it or not, if I feel like there's not a concrete explanation out there, then what's the point? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. It's very pretty. Yes. There's a lot going on, but, but at the same time, who cares? Like it, it, I was very, at the time I was very comfortable um, describing things as pretentious as a way of just sort of brushing them aside. Now I almost never use the word because Mm -hmm. I feel like, no, this person probably meant 
something. Right. And it's on me if I can't not even figure it out, but it's on me if I, if my first instinct is to say, that is pretentious and then move on simply because it didn't strike me a very specific way immediately. Um, sorry. Uh, I was, well, where, where did you end up on video drum? Um, so video drum, I ended up on there. There's certain imagery and certain things that take, that take place, which I, I don't understand what he was trying to do with it, especially in contrast, but there are certain things which it seems, I don't want to say clear to me. Cause once again, saying that it was pretty clear to me implies that like David Cronenberg was intending this for you to interpret. Okay. But I knew that there were certain things, at least for me that really resonated with me and that I saw that had some type of significance or symbolism or meaning and others didn't. But at the end of the day, the stuff that did resonate with me was resonated so strong with me that the stuff that didn't, it kind of didn't matter that I wasn't really sure what it was, what he was trying to say. Like why, like anyone who's seen the video drum, there's like, obviously there's this giant vaginal cavity in James Wood's chest and they, they put like videotapes in which even that is kind of like, okay, I kind of get that. But then why do the videotapes have to be like weird and pulsing? And, and like, why, why is that so specific that image? And like, I don't, I don't know what he's trying to do with that. But I at least I think I, I get something out of that general idea of, OK, something is planted in him and then he has voices in his head telling him to do things like that. That is itself a very simple idea. But David Cronenberg adds more to it. I don't know why, but at, at least at the core of it, there's something in it that I still connected with and something that still allowed it to resonate with me. Um, and so because there was something that, that at least I got out of it it helped me appreciate the film better. And, and it could be that because I know that video drum is one of those, which I mean, there's essays upon essays upon essays written about that. I mean, that that's one that like cinephiles love and that you'll, 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 you'll read about in, in film school and film theory classes. So clearly a lot of people have a lot of thoughts on that. Um, and I, I can't necessarily say that I can connect with it from a, a male gaze perspective or from like a, a sexual politics perspective, but me as a person through the experiences I've been through saw that and saw enough in it where I'm like, okay, this makes sense to me because of my worldview and my experiences. And so because I was able to pull something away from it, I still found value to it, even if that wasn't necessarily what Cronenberg wanted it to be. And building on the point of like the pretentious films, it's, it's almost kind of like, cause I I really like last year, Marion bad. Mm -hmm. And I think I really like last year, Marion bad because it makes no sense. And because it's just kind of like a, a full, a full on like Alain Rene almost kind of like wants to fuck with you in every single way possible. And I kind of appreciate that balls of the wall attitude, but it's almost kind of harder for me for that. that is how the, those early critics describe that film is just balls to the <laughs> balls, wall. Yeah, absolutely. Kyrie do cinema on the cover, just a like, quote balls to the wall. <laughs> um, but it's almost like if if I if there's a film which completely baffles me, I can almost kind of explain it away as like, okay, well, this is coming from a vastly different perspective that I just I don't have any experience with or I don't have any exposure to. Whereas something where I kind of like there are certain things that resonate with me and certain things that don't. It's almost kind of harder for me because then I'm kind of like, well, I, I understood that, so I guess I'm smart, <clears throat> but maybe I'm not smart enough. Which isn't the case at all, but in the moment, that's kind of like how I how I feel about it. Like, oh, right. maybe I'm not smart enough to understand this film, uh, which is stupid because I, I know I don't know where where you guys stand. But I know that you clearly have the auteur theory and this idea of like because I know because Leanne who who is on for uh, for Jane Campion is fully supportive of the idea of like the author's intent does not matter at all. Sure, right. which I understand to an extent. I can't fully get on board with that, but I understand that it's like. Um, 
they may have intended one thing and you may have gotten something else out of it entirely. And the, and, uh, like the joke that I make is something like Blade Runner or alien, which two great films from like Ridley Scott, like if on his deathbed, he was finally just like, Hey, everything that you think those movies are about, I didn't mean any of that shit. And then he kind of dies. Would that take away from the meaning of those films to people who like maybe to some, but, um, I want to clarify like the idea that author intent doesn't matter because of course it does matter Mm -hmm. in the way the movie is shaped. Sure. Like that's what what makes the movie what it is. Sure. But what doesn't matter is, um, whether or not you interpret it that way. Yeah. Uh, You interpret it the way you, you will. And that's, that's what it is to you. And, uh, you shouldn't, there's no, there's no wrong way Mm -hmm. to watch a movie. Well, and and what certainly doesn't matter is what the director will say after the movie is made or anything outside the film. Mm -hmm. Like the film has to exist solely on its own terms in its in its own universe. The film, the the movie doesn't know that it was made by a person, you know, (laughs) and so and, and there are times when I feel like, you know, this this happened a lot with Breaking Bad, where Vince Gilligan came out and, and said to people about the last episode, it wasn't a dream. And my first thought was, should have made that clearer. That's on you, buddy. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can you can shit on people for their conspiracy theories, but if people genuinely think that, then and and I you don't and think you that feel, Vince Gilligan. I don't think his tone was that he was shitting on people who believe that. It's he, he was. Very, I think in his point of view, he was clarifying. But I think actually, I think it came from a place of frustration. Um, and but what's more is okay, maybe not shitting on people, but just like. I feel like it would have to come from a, a, a vaguely negative place for him to say it at all, as opposed to, hey, just let people think what they want. You know, I, I felt the same way with. Uh, oh, my gosh. David Chase. OK. When he came out and said, like, uh, Tony doesn't die. And it's Did like, he say that? Yeah. I, I think that was like a couple months ago. I feel like he said that and then he denied that he said that. Yeah, he was probably because, just because I think the revelation that he didn't okay. die was like somebody who was talking to David Chase said that, and then afterwards David Chase was like, "I never said that." Oh, okay. All it right. still well, seems like good. such a David Chase thing to do anyway. Oh, sure, yeah. just kind of a general, almost like a Tony Soprano, like, "Eh, fuck you." <laughs> um, but yeah, it's so it, it's it's one of those things that like, and I don't mean to be like contentious about it, but if a director like if you want to if you want the film to clearly convey something and it's important to you. If the clarity is important to you, then then you need to be more clear. Yeah. But to me, if clarity is the most important thing, then you wind up with Christian film, and that's <laughs> and that's no, where no one could ever misinterpret what you're trying to do. Yeah. Let's we've gotten away from the topic here. Sorry about that. Because I'm very excited about uh, the idea of talking about blind spots mm-hmm. because. Um, I have, I guess it's been almost a year now, although I've fallen a little bit behind. I set a New Year's resolution for myself to fill in a lot of my blind spots. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I still have a list. I'm a few months behind. I have a list that I need to catch up on. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I did early in the year, um, watch, actually, I watched it on Oscar Sunday. Instead of the Oscars? After the Oscars, I watched last year at Marion Bed for the first time. Oh. Um, and I think that's the perfect time. Uh, no to question about it. it. <laughs> um, to watch a movie, the Oscars I, would never do anything. Yeah. With it. Uh, and I loved it. Um, uh, and this, this idea of filling in these things, I guess I'd like to get your opinion, um, Jim on this eventually the idea of, cause your, your show ends up accomplishing sort of two different things, which is in some ways it, 
fills in classic films you might have missed. Mm-hmm. But then it also fills in um, like weird little like alleys and niches that you've never mm-hmm. been down. Yeah. And I feel like that second thing I haven't been doing as much. Mm-hmm. I've been specifically focused on what are supposedly great films yeah. that I've that I've missed. And it's led to me finding uh, at least one, if not two, of my favorite movies of all time now, mm-hmm. which uh, is, I talked about on the podcast, The Magnificent Ambersons, oh, is, okay. um, uh, you know, I, I understand the greatness of Citizen Kane, and I still think, uh, as trying to be as objective as I can, Citizen Kane is a better film altogether, but I can tell you if you hold a copy of Citizen Kane and a copy of Magnificent Ambersons in front of my face, I'm going to watch Magnificent Ambersons again. And you, are, out of 10. and you will just wipe your ass with that copy uh, of Citizen yeah. Kane. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. But, uh, I'm sorry for exactly the phrase. what I'm saying. But no, Magnificent Ambersons is, uh, God, it's so good. I can't believe I waited so long because well, it's so good. Uh, and then uh, yeah, the other one real quick is, uh, that I wanted to mention is Z, the Costa Gavras film, which is one that I'd feel like, uh, it, it maybe doesn't like, Everyone, you know, everyone knows that it's supposed to be good. It gets mm-hmm. mentioned a lot, but it doesn't really get talked about at any length. And so I didn't really, I didn't really know what to expect. And I ended up discovering something that's like, oh, how did I sleep on this for so long? This is so up my alley. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you had any experiences like that about like uh, finding new potential favorites that you? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, and and I. <laughs> I don't know if anyone ever attempted to read my my now aborted top ten favorite list that was on more than one lesson. Um, I stopped it partway through because, well, for a, a variety of reasons, but one of which being, I don't think I put enough thought into my top ten. Especially, well, you still had, you know, a t- I think you stopped at seven. <laughs> you could have amended it. I, I, you know? I know I could have, um, but especially considering that one of one of one of the films that I've watched, like the bridge on the river Kwai is now getting serious consideration and being my top 10 on my top 10 of all time. I mean, mm-hmm. I love that film in, in every regard from, from back to front. Um, and so, and it was, it was kind of part of that, which kind of like, okay, I need to rethink this whole list thing because there is so much that I haven't seen that even if I complete this list this year, next year, it could look entirely different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm just too lazy to put in that kind of work where I'm constantly revising my list all the time. Um, so I'd say, yeah, the, the bridge on the river Kwai was certainly one, um, and I'd say that uh, it wasn't for the podcast, but after doing Douglas Sirk Month, I went back and rewatched um, um, All That Heaven Allows, and that one is might be in my top ten as well. Um, and yeah, I think I think I I think I kind of lost track of what your what the other part of your question was. Uh, well, there were two things. There's the one thing that I had put a pin in, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but the the thing I was just asking now was that have you discovered any things that you felt like? Uh, you were destined to find these movies all along. Uh, yeah, well, and and and, th- and the bridge on the river Kwai was also right. one where it was like it was kind of the same thing. Where it's like, how why did I not watch this one earlier? Right, like, yeah, especially because I, I owned it for two years before I watched it. <laughs> oh, like me with Trees Lounge. <laughs> um, and then the other question is, uh, what have you enjoyed more? Filling in the classics that you had never gotten to, or finding out about weird like you've had your ingmar bergman yeah. uh and david lean and stuff like that mm. but you've also had like korean revenge thrillers yeah. and like sort of uh, more specific subgenres which which of those things have you enjoyed more probably the director ones just because you you really do see you, you really do start seeing like a, a trend and, and recurring themes and so it, it's almost kind of like it, it's fun that way because once you've seen 
and this is going to be incredibly reductive, but so not to say like once you've seen one David Lean film, you've seen them all, but at least you kind of start seeing like, even in that one, you kind of get this, get a sense of like, okay, I kind of know what David Lean is all about. And then you kind of get it reaffirmed with, with, um, why am I blanking on? Oh, Lawrence of Arabia and then Dr. Zhivago as well. And I actually didn't care for Dr. Zhivago that much, but there's still something quintessential David Lean. And it's just, yeah, inter- it's not a great movie, but it's, yeah, there's uh, some good stuff in there. Yeah. But Specifically it's, performances. Well, I, find. I find it very fun to watch, but sort of in the same way I do Gone with the wind where it's like, I, I recognize that this isn't, mm-hmm. you know, the highest achievement, uh, of cinema, but mm-hmm. it is rather lovely. Yeah. 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 Um, and Dr. Spock is a lot less racist than Gone with the wind. So that's, <laughs> there's well, don't you remember that. that scene of Rod Steiger in blackface? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but Gone with the Wind isn't nearly as fascinated with uh, with the Russian Bolshevik Revolution as Doctor Zhivago. Not is, so. quite. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, barely. It, it's close. just it's it's pretty close. Close neck second. Neck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and, and I also think that it, it's just um, genres. A lot of a lot of things about genres and subgenres is they're they're kind of there's a place and a time for them, and so there's sort of like a there's a temporality or kind of like an ethereal quality to them. Whereas a director, even though David lean is passed on or even though Douglas circus passed away, you can still see those influences in filmmakers today. So you kind of see how it's still what they've laid down is still sort of kind of continuing. Whereas South Korean revenge throwers were great, but outside of that niche, you don't really see that having much influence elsewhere. I mean, it, it did kind of reach across shores here with like, you know, old boy being, you know, having an American remake a lot. Right. And, and I saw the devil now as being, is going to be remade as well. Um, and you've got these directors having American careers to a certain extent. Yeah. I mean, not that Stoker didn't exactly put Park <laughs> Chan-wook on the map, right. although it should have, because it's an amazing and beautiful <laughs> yeah. film. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there it's, I think it has some, uh, yeah. impact. And, and I guess I also just enjoy, um, I guess I kind of enjoy the, the psychology behind it too. And just kind of seeing like, okay, here's the background of a filmmaker. Now, how am I seeing that manifest itself in different ways with different films? Whereas with a genre, I mean, the, the filmmaking is sort of, sort of less important in a way. Um, especially, I mean, with, I'm thinking like specifically of like the 1980s fantasy genre month that I did. The only one that I found really fascinating was Excalibur because it was John Borman was, was directing it. Again, we're overlapping. That's one of the things I've filled in this year okay. that I was surprised to find that I, I really, really enjoyed Excalibur. It, it, it was one of those, that, like Rope Superman, like I think I, it's a very long movie. It's yes. like over two and a half hours, mm-hmm. I think. And I spent the first, like, I'm going to say 17 to 20 minutes being like, I'm I'm resistant to this. I don't think this <laughs> yeah. is I don't think this is going to work yeah. on me. I'm like the guy who insists I can't be hypnotized, right? <laughs> and then like ten minutes later, I'm clucking like a chicken. Like that's how I was with this caliber. I was like, this isn't working. And then like two hours later, I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> you, you know what's weird is is Excalibur. I compare my viewing Excalibur, uh, my viewing of Excalibur to my my first visit to Pittsburgh, uh-huh. where when I'm in it, I'm kind of like. Eh, whatever. Thanks, but no thanks. And then I step away from it, and I'm away from it. I'm like, no, there was something that was really kind of charming and fascinating about that that I just can't shake out of myself. Um, and 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 I think that a lot of that has to do with like John Borman is. He seems like he's a pretty weird guy based right. on the films that I've seen. I haven't seen well, Deliverance, but with Pittsburgh. It has to do with. Uh, sandwiches with French fries on them, yeah. right? Yeah. And coleslaw. That's that's their yeah. thing. Yeah, sandwiches. <laughs> they just took the they take the whole plate instead yeah. of a sandwich yeah. and coleslaw and French fries. Uh, it's it's a, just it's all burger. in one. It's, it's like, like look, do you know what we're spending on washing dishes? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, 
And also the fact that like you, you can go into a mall and there's a store that has Steelers gear. And then you walk across the aisle and there's another store that sells Steelers gear. It's like, what? <laughs> oh, all right, we get it. They're important. Um, but, but John Borman is, is and, I, and I think that's kind of funny that it was like, that was the one that stood out the most to me when that was the one that had a, an auteur or a, a director with a signature style behind mm. it. Um, and it's a weird one, but it's at least one that resonates with you and, 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 you know, and sticks around. But I mean, the fact that it did 1980s fantasy, just goes to show you like it was one that it didn't really last. Do you find people like when you approach people like, Hey, do you want to suggest something? And they go for something really niche or weird. Is it part of you? that's like, eh, there's, there's like other stuff I could be filling in or I, 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 I don't know. Well, I mostly when I approach people, I, I kind of already approach them with an idea in mind. Like, Hey, I heard that you're into this okay. sort of person. Um, but I, I think at least with a, with Scott and I, like I, when I reached out to him, he kind of gave me a list of people that he was into and the, the, the criteria for, for who I select is sort of fast and loose. Um, I mean, I'd like to think that it's sort of like if I've seen less than three films from that person there, they qualify. But for Cronenberg, I'd seen a lot of his stuff, but a lot of it was a while ago. So it wasn't fresh in my mind. Right. Um, and so some people will suggest like, Hey, I can do, um, Jean Renault or whatever that French filmmaker's name is that I'm sure I'm just butchering. Jean Renoir. Renoir, yeah. And like, oh, that's great. Jean Renault is an actor. He's yeah, right? the professional, the professional, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, also a character in Twin Peaks, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. <laughs> yes. Different spelling, but yeah. Um, but so it's like you know, someone could be like, oh, I'm an expert at Renoir. Like, well, that's fine. I have no interest in that. Uh, <laughs> um, and it's yeah, so, yeah, I remember when I because I was uh, I did Joe Dante, mm-hmm. but you told me you forewarned me that you already knew the gremlins movies so those were yeah, kind of out those were off off the table and even the burbs i had seen but a while ago um so it's yeah. like so I, I didn't i mean so watching that movie is like oh yeah i forgot that there was this kind of thing and i forgot that there was that sort of thing in it um I'm what, i picked i picked the burbs and picked i picked matinee, Looney Tunes back in action and matinee. as a substitute for gremlins to the new batch because yeah. you already knew gremlins to the new mm-hmm. batch. yeah and no matinee, and matinee which i think is a legitimate masterpiece it's yeah. great wonderful they're showing it to new beverly in a couple weeks yeah as a matinee of course <laughs> i want to i do want to make that a priority because yeah, i haven't I'm, seen it in years i'm going yeah but it's, it's sort of like so i kind of have an idea in mind of like these are the filmmakers that i think i should be exposed to and if someone can speak on that great and if not what sort of kind of connected that they could ring like oh yeah that's a good one too um like i mean south korean revenge was one that honestly wasn't one that i was like i feel i should educate myself on this mm-hmm. but i knew that i wanted to get tim buell on the podcast i knew that he was big into those i'm like oh okay sure let's do that um and an interesting little trivia bit here is uh, the one filmmaker that most guests bring up and like hey i can talk about this guy john carpenter no oh, yeah Every, everyone volunteers john carpenter um, which is like, that's great because I love John Carpenter. And it's also kind of like, wow, I didn't know, I didn't know that he was so like well-respected in like film circles, but I guess that makes sure. sense. Yeah. So let me, uh, let me ask you this. Cause it's interesting that you said what you were saying about, uh, genre. Cause I was thinking about this in regards to our, uh, horror slasher commentaries, which are still available by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can purchase them at battleshipretention.com. They are $10 for all five. And the movies we talked about were psycho, the Texas chainsaw massacre, Halloween child's play and scream. Mm-hmm. And RIP Gunnar Hansen. Indeed. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. That is a, that is a shame. Um, but what I was very happy, it, I had thrown it out there as like a just sort of like, oh, well, this would be a good hook is that we're we're tracing, you know, we're following the evolution of the slasher film. And then it's just like, okay that scene, that's like a that's something to hang this series on. Why not? (laughs) Uh, But as time but as we were watching it. 
that actually it became clear that isn't abs- that's absolutely what was happening mm-hmm. which is like you've got psycho ba- inspired partially by ed gein then you have texas chainsaw also inspired by ed gein but yep. done in a completely different era yeah. but then you have this idea that in both cases the slashers are just they're where they are and you, if you go to them, they'll kill you. Then you get Halloween and almost everything after. Admittedly, like at Crystal Lake, you're still going to the camp. So yeah. there is that. But um, but for a good portion of, of a lot of slasher movies after that, the slasher is coming to you. Yeah. And you can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. And so little things like, and then, uh, you know, for a while it's just like, okay, uh, the slasher was quiet. Leatherface doesn't say anything. Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, they don't say anything. And then Freddy shows up. Uh, and we did not talk about Nightmare on Elm Street because we we already had a Wes Craven and we wanted to stick with Scream. Sure. Um, but we did talk about Child's Play. Who's we did. Also very very chatty yeah. uh, slasher. And the, uh, Chucky and Freddy both, I think, helped contribute to the comedy aspect mm-hmm. uh puns and goofiness and that sort of thing of the slasher genre and so just when you look at it i feel like you need at least five in any genre to look at the evolution of well, the see, genre now you're blown up the premise of his show which is that you need well three. <laughs> what i was going to say is like is there are there any genres or filmmakers like for example let's say a woody allen whose filmography is just so huge yeah. that you would consider doing like a double, like doing somebody comes in the first week and then provides you with seven movies uh, that you're going to be talking about over mm-hmm. the course of the next two months. Is there anything, is there anybody that you feel like you would do that for? Have you, have you considered it? I, I would certainly do that for, I actually thought about Woody Allen just kind of actually splitting up by decades. Like, so Woody Allen of like mm. the seventies, Woody Allen of the eighties, Woody Allen of the nineties. That yeah. be That's a good one. Um, yeah. Because he, he is, so prolific it's disgusting and there there is no way that you could that you could that you could boil it down to three that would that would just be insane um or even or even something if there's like different phases like a, a filmmaker who's like oh wait let's do his indie stuff and then let's do his mainstream stuff or you know something yeah. like that um but a, a genre i don't know i i guess i i I'm, I'm open to the idea because it's also like I'm, I'm as open to ideas of suggestion as much as I am to like, Hey, here's what I, I want to talk about. But I know that when it comes to horror, um, horror specifically, and I, I do love horror, but there is that stuff changes with society so much. I mean, like I, if, if I was going to do like werewolf films, it would, it would obviously have to focus on the 1980s because that's when the werewolf films were huge. And if I would do zombie films, it'd be like the early two thousands or, um, because how, how society changes and how what scares us changes too, based on mm. politics and social and that whole sort of thing. So, um, but then you're going to get into arguments about whether or not 28 days later is a, jo- is a zombie. Movie. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Cause um, it's not a zombie movie technically, Yeah, it, but it, it borrows on, heavily from the tropes of the zombie yeah, it, genre. It's, it's tough because if you want to, it depends on how you want to define the word zombie. Cause zombie didn't always mean, uh, Coming back from the dead. Yeah, right. yeah. it meant yeah. somebody that is in either a trance or that they, they have no conscious awareness or thought. They're they're purely instinct, and they are, you know, yeah. Like it used to be. It was. I think. I don't know if it started as a voodoo term, but that was a big. That was so, a big yeah. thing. Did you ever yeah. see the serpent in the rainbow? I did. I yes. love that movie. Yeah, it's really Craven. good. Yeah. Wes Craven strikes again. <laughs> um, well, we should have an eye toward wrapping up here. Um, but uh, Tyler, you haven't talked about your blind spot experiences that much. Well, it's well, what's your methodology for filling in blind spots? 
Uh, Other than a, uh, once taking a month off from the podcast <laughs> to do so. And I might do it again. Um, okay. I will brace myself. Absolutely. Because yes. I didn't, you know, you got no offense meant to any of those. Oh, I don't care about that. Okay. <laughs> no, I, that I don't care about. <laughs> but, um, I do know that those episodes by no fault of our great guests sure, and guest hosts weren't as good because I wasn't as comfortable. <laughs> well, David, look, as people say all the time, no matter what, you and I have more chemistry than any other podcasting team ever. That's true. Yeah. There's I not a single yeah. one out there. Everyone says it. I'm yeah. not going to argue with it. Most People of them all the time. should just give up and throw themselves in a lake. Absolutely. <laughs> and then refer their sponsors to us. That would be, that would really hit the spot. Right. Um, yeah, my, mine is usually, it usually starts with like a uh, sight and sound list. Um, and looking at, okay, is there anything in the top 10 I haven't seen? Mm-hmm. And I think up until recently, the only one that was missing, I believe, was Seven Samurai, which I saw recently. And then, and also kind of I, looking at like, okay, who are the big filmmakers whose work I maybe have only seen one thing from? So like Kurosawa, up until f- relatively recently, I had only seen Rashomon, and that was in school. Mm-hmm. And then I saw Throne of Blood, I saw Hidden Fortress, I saw Seven Samurai. I feel like I've seen another one, but I can't uh, recall it at the moment. But Was um, it Ron? It was not. Was wrong. it Akiru? And, and there's still it dreams. Was it Yojimbo? Was it was, it not, it was none of those. Maybe I, maybe it, I haven't uh, seen it. High and Low, which I bought, but I still haven't low, watched. Uh, the Bad Sleep Well, uh, Matadeo. Um, All right, now you're just showing off. Uh, I'm trying to think what's <laughs> there. Uh, uh, there's another one I'm thinking of. Rhapsody in Blue. That's the one. <laughs> anyway, that's the one with Richard Gear. <laughs> I don't know. It is. It's the one with Richard Gear. Um, but yeah, and so uh, that's not the name of it. It's Rhapsody in August. Rhapsody in Blue is obviously in a song, Irving Berlin, right? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. I, Rhapsody in White is the name of that uh, poodle from Best in Show. Yes. So, so uh, please, Curacao fans, don't um, email me that I said Rhapsody in Blue when I meant Rhapsody in August. I know what I'm talking. They turned it off immediately once you said it. They <laughs> they did not want to listen to two more minutes. Um, but yeah, and, and honestly, uh, as a function of More Than One Lesson, when we've been working our way through the Best Picture winners, mm. um, that has, you know, as we go further back, at the very least, there are some movies, and I recognize that Best Picture hardly means Best Picture uh, historically, but there are movies that I've been meaning to see for a long time and then never got around to. Uh, Chariots of Fire I saw for the first time only a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, let's see, we're coming up on we're coming up on Midnight Cowboy oh. probably in, a, in two months, but I've never seen that. I've been told I need to see it and that I would really like it, and this is forcing me to see that. And then there will undoubtedly be others. I've never seen My Fair Lady. I've never seen uh, How Green Was My Valley. Um, and uh, uh, who's it? is it uh, Mrs. Miniver? I don't think I've ever seen Hamlet, the Lawrence Olivia Hamlet. So like there are, there are a bunch that I have been meaning to see, and this just sort of forces me. And I like, there's something to be said for being, and this goes to the idea of homework, mm-hmm. being forced to see this thing. Yep. It doesn't matter if I want to or not. I have to. And there's, I kind of like that, and that's actually what I do in the theaters right now, sort of, is I've got my movie pass, mm-hmm. and I'll have a free night, but maybe... Everything that I really want to see in the theater, I have already seen. So I'll be like, all right. Okay, uh, Pan, or Our Brand is Crisis, which I haven't seen, but it's still on my radar there. Um, it's like, all right, I'm seeing you tonight. 
don't disappoint me. Spoilers, they disappoint me. Um, <laughs> actually, they don't because my expectations are pretty low. But um, and so I just sort of force myself to go out and see movies and maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised. Maybe I won't. But at the very least, it's just like it kind of gets me back into that mentality of school where we saw what was assigned and that was it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I guess that's kind of what I'm doing, too, in that I'm. Go, I'm working from a list yeah. in terms of, but now also with the new stuff, um, I don't have a movie pass, but I do, I do have a, like a policy with myself about like press screenings. Like mm-hmm. I will see, you know, no more than so many a week, but if I get an invitation for a press screening for a movie and I have an open night that night in terms of my like protocol for how many, uh, nights I'll leave open for myself, I'll see it no matter what it is. Hmm. And that's why I got, end up seeing a lot of um, not very good movies uh, at press screenings. But I also end up like discovering stuff that, you know, uh, I'll, I'll mention it uh, again, as I often have in this podcast. White Tiger was a movie that sure. uh, yeah. blew me away. And I think like the night before I had been, I don't remember what it was. I had been to another thing that I had just RCP'd to not knowing what it was. And I hated it. And there was, a, and I was like tired and I was like, I don't feel like I want to go to this, whatever this Russian movie is tonight. And I'm glad I went uh, yeah. out to Santa Monica and saw it. Cause it, uh, um, it changed my life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and this year is this year. I think so. It was very early. Uh, Kamiko, the treasure hunter is a movie that I didn't really know anything about. Mm-hmm. seemed like an odd premise. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just like, but I also knew that there was nothing as far as the conversations people were going to be having. There was nothing vital about it, mm-hmm. but I thought, what the hell? I don't care if it's vital or not. If it's really great, maybe I can try to make it vital. Um, <laughs> w- at the very least with the, the listeners and the people that I know and that sort of thing. Right. Um, so one thing that I want to, cause I know we have to, to move towards, towards wrapping up and well, be at done. This point we should probably just pretty much wrap up. Okay. Well, I do have some questions for our guest. Okay. <laughs> um, you mentioned like movies that you could think might be your favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some that you haven't liked? And then I also want to, and I know that we can spend a little bit of time. Yeah. What are some guests that you haven't liked? No, don't say that. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> David Bax. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> just like, I get it. Joe Dante. He's wacky <laughs> inner space anyway. Uh, but also what are some movies that people have recommended and said like, you've got to see it. It's ri- It's great. Mm-hmm. And you have not responded, not, not a video drum situation where you feel like I don't get it, but I know there's something here, mm-hmm. but a movie that you just said like, I don't, not only do I not get it, I don't get why other people like it. Have you had any of, well, we'll start with other movies that you really liked, movies you didn't like, and then that last one is how we'll end. Um, other movies that I really liked, I mean, going back to Douglas Sirk, I thought Written on the Wind was fantastic. Um, Wan Kar Wai, uh, 2046, I really loved. Um, and, I, and I had seen um, In the Mood for Love, so 2046 was Right. I don't want to say natural, but it, it made sense. The recommendation and also the movie made more sense too. not to say you have to see in the mood to love to see 2046, but I certainly think it adds a certain level of appreciation to it. Um, state in Maine. I was a big fan of, uh, from mm. David Mamet that you recommended, um, especially considering it's, it seems so tonally different from the rest of the stuff that he makes. Yeah. Um, it's almost sort of like at one point in his life, he, he allowed himself to be joyful and then he crushed that impulse immediately. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know. Cause why it, the, the next one after that is Spartan, right? Yeah. yeah there yes. you go. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to think, I, I mean, matinee obviously I thought was, was a, was a masterpiece. Um, I'm trying to think, uh, of what I've done 
in the past. I, I mean, those are the ones that are real. Like I've, I've honestly, I've liked most everything I've seen, but those are the ones that kind of stand out as like, I, I really, really love them. Well, um, what haven't you liked? Um, tie me up, tie me down. I really, it, it, that, and that was one of those two where I, I'm just like, why, why did he recommend this one to me? I don't, <laughs> I don't get it. Um, and then the, <laughs> I know, I know you're going to take umbrage with the term, but one genre I did for the month was, was mumblecore back in August. Um, and I'd say with the exception of four eyed monster, which was the last one that I did actively disliked that month. And actually the, the, <laughs> I feel a little bit bad saying this because I know the director has, I think, been on BP, but uh, Dance Party USA, mm. legitimately, I hated. Like, I, I really hated that movie. Um, uh, it's a, he was on the show so long ago yeah. that uh, we barely remember it. I doubt he remembered it. <laughs> Indeed. I, don't know. I mean, even to the extent where... Um, because I, I like to, I like to think I'm a, I'm a pretty decent guy for the most part. But if I met him at a party and be like, "Hey, I'm Aaron Katz," is that his yeah, name? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And be like, "I'm Aaron," Katz, I'd be like, "Oh, I hated Dance Party USA." I would just flat out <laughs> say it, like it, because it just I I don't know why why he felt that story had to be committed to some type of visual medium. Um, but but those those are the only ones that really stand out. I mean, I mean, Ingmar Bergman didn't do anything for me. Um, and persona was one of those that it was so everything was so obfuscated. I just, I wasn't sure what I was supposed to connect with. Um, and it didn't do, and it didn't do a whole lot for me. Um, I actually found myself enjoying Fanny and Alexander the most, which is mm. unusual because that was where I was like, Oh great. This is going to be three hours and 45 minutes in the short version. <laughs> um, and right. yet that was the one that I actually ended up liking the most, which is also weird because I think it's the most definitive of Bergman in the sense of like, yeah, their God is not, a thing I don't believe in God existing. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, that's strange that this is the one that I'm responding to. Uh, now there was a third part of Tyler's question, which I didn't understand to begin with and have since forgotten. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> which is, um, had there been any movies that you've, that you've seen? It's not a video drum situation where it's like, there's definitely something here. I don't completely understand it, but that's okay. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay. Movies that people say like, you've got to see it cause it's great. It's a classic. Mm-hmm. It's on the list of movies you got to see and you see it and you think, uh, uh, this not only did it not do it for me, but I genuinely don't think it's very good or over the, the word could be overrated if you want it to be that. Mm-hmm. Um, have you had any of those? Not on, I, I don't think on the show, nothing is really standing out to me. Well, I guess, Hmm. Um, and we've already kind of talked about, but I, I guess I, I, I really, I, I think I really didn't like Doctor Zhivago. Okay. Um, and even considering, and even talking to Andy Beach, who recommended the the David Lean films, because there was a bunch that he was toying with giving me. Yeah. Um, and then he ultimately ended up with those three, and I and I, I don't know. I guess Bridge on the River Kwai and Lawrence of Arabia were so spectacular, and and Zhivago is certainly epic in scope, but I find it so kind of comical and how it handles the romance and, and everything like that. I'm just like, I don't, I actually ended up having sort of a debate at work with a coworker the next day where she was kind of saying like, no, but it was this great sweeping romance. I'm like, yeah, but I don't watch a David lean film for a romance. I don't think he handles that very well. Hmm. Um, um, interesting. That is interesting. But, um, I'm interested that when you did David lean, you just did the epics. Yeah. Those are the three that he recommended to me. Yeah, I see you're missing out on some. Yeah, well, but that's the thing. But you hadn't seen them before, right? No, I I hadn't seen any of them before. And this goes to 
I feel like I feel like the way that because David, I know where where you're headed as far as the class that we took on David Lean. It's so interesting. So we took a class on David Lean. Mm-hmm. The three movies we definitely were not going to be watching in class, mm-hmm, right. not merely for time pur- purposes, <laughs> but Bridge on the Requi, Lawrence yeah. of Arabia, Doctor Zhivago, mm-hmm. because the instructor probably rightfully assumed that. Oh, you, you're taking a class on David Lean? You've seen these. Yeah. And if you haven't, then I guess you should. Yeah, you'll get to them. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're going to watch the the um, the Charles Dickens one. Right. Yeah. Hobson's Choice. Yeah. And, of course, Brief Encounter. Brief Encounter. Yeah. And so that's the thing is when you say uh, he's not great at romance, part of me is just like, well, Brief Encounter is like a wonderful romance. And then I and, and he did Summertime as well, right? Mm-hmm. Which oh, is which right. is yeah. pretty that's good as good well. One. Yeah. And so, like... When he does his epics, it would appear that that's what he is focused on. Mm-hmm. Because when I think of Brief Encounter and Summertime, I think like those are like super um, intuitive. Like it seems to really understand the nature mm-hmm. of romance and and why people fall in love and what they see in each other. And uh, but that's the thing. That's like the David Lean that that very few people talk about, but deserves to be talked about. Right. And, and I think that's, that's one of the, maybe the, the hangups uh, of the podcast is sort of like, he, he almost recommended brief encounter to me, but mm-hmm. it wasn't so much like, it's not so much the three best films of a filmmaker, but the three that kind of most typify his style. And when you think right. of David lean, you think of the Epic style. And so when yeah. you're going with that criteria, I mean, it's, it's sort of those three that he did. Yeah. He did. And, and so like, because the way that I think of it is if I was doing this and I was um, and I was talking about like Martin Scorsese, for instance, one that I would really want to recommend is bringing out the dead because I love that film. and I think it's vastly overlooked and like nobody even knows that that exists. But it's also in terms of the typifying Scorsese style, despite the fact that it's set in New York and it's written by Paul Schrader and it, it, it kind of has that taxi driver sort of feel to it. I don't think it also best typifies what score says you can do. So I'd kind of leave it by the wayside. You know, it does, it does lead to, and, and I know that we can't do this right now cause we're not prepared for it, uh-huh. but it does feel like a fun game for movie nerds, which is, uh, you say a director and people need to say the essential three movies. Martin Scorsese, Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, Goodfellas. That's my vote. Yeah. Okay. Um, David, but I don't. I'm do gonna throw one to you. Okay, no. I'll okay, throw, uh, all right. Try. Um, let's go Soderbergh. Ooh. The essential three, yeah, would definitely be Sex, Lies, and Videotape. Um, and then he's a tough one. I picked yeah. a tough one. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, but it's a it's a really because I've wondered about this too. If it was Soderbergh, who like, and Soderbergh is also a guy like I don't know if I can nail down like a, a kind of a style for him. Yeah, he's yeah. I feel like you then have to go with out of sight would be maybe mm. Oh. Mm. That's, one a, that's a good one for him. Yeah, and then I'd want to pick one of his like experiments. Art, yeah, like like the the girlfriend experience or sure, or, sure. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. Good call with out of sight. I was gonna say like Ocean's Eleven as like his his mainstream stuff, yeah. but I think out of sight's even better. Um, it wasn't as successful, but I feel right. like you see a lot more of him in that one. So, see, uh, but to go back to the Scorsese thing, I feel like, yeah, you probably picked the right three, but it feels so sinful to me to not include last and patient of Christ. Exactly. But is like, it, cause it's King my favorite Pop- Scorsese movie. Yeah. But yeah. Is it actually indicative of him as a whole? Like if you're right. trying to distill him into three, yeah. 
I don't know if Last Temptation of Christ is the right one to pick, yeah. even though it is my favorite of his movies. It's it's my favorite as well. And then of course, Game of Comedy is marvelous, and it's. And then, like, if you want to look shine at shine a light, shine, oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Okay, yeah. I uh, I gotta laugh. I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Absolutely. Uh, you can find us at battleshippretension.com, and I mean that you can find all of us at battleshippretension.com. Um, you can email me at david at battleshippretension.com. Oh, right now I should say um, there's uh, AFI Fest uh, coverage going on, mostly from Scott. Um, I am also contributing a little bit. Next week will be our AFI uh, wrap up. Um, and so the, by that point, the festival will be well over, but we'll have mm-hmm. time to have processed and there'll be some reviews. Uh, by the time you're hearing this, the festival is over, but there'll be some reviews straggling in, in the days up to, up to our, um, wrap up episode. Uh, it's been a fun fest so far. I've seen a lot of great stuff. Um, so that's a battleship You can email me at David at battleship Email, uh, Tyler at Tyler at battleship Follow me on Twitter at Davy pretension. Follow Tyler at Tyler pretension. Uh, you also have a, a couple other podcasts. Mm-hmm. One of them is called worth playing for. It's about that's survivor, right. the CBS reality competition series. That's right. People might've heard of it. Uh, and then you also got one called more than one lesson. That's correct. What's going on there this week, this week. Let's see. Is it more of Jim? Uh, no, that that uh, episode won't uh, air for I think a couple weeks. Okay. Um, no, I think uh, we are continuing our discussion of the best pictures, and I believe this week we are talking about One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, oh. Best Picture, nineteen seventy five. Mm. Uh, a really wonderful year for the Best Picture nominees. I would not have given it to One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. <laughs> yeah. ah. um, my other podcast is about television. It's called Hey, Watch This with Paul and David. This week we're talking about Agent X. The series premiere of Agent X yeah. on TNT. Which one is that? Which is the one where Sharon Stone is the vice president, who is also right. like the 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 Charlie to a group of uh, uh, <laughs> assassins uh, or whatever. And who's the who's her co-star? I don't know. Shoot. Um, and then we'll also be talking about another series premiere. I'm very excited to talk about the first episode of With Bob and David over at Netflix. Uh, yeah. uh, that's Netflix.com. Um, Jim, <laughs> where can people find you? But you know what? Movie is infinitely a better <laughs> yes. service. Uh, Jim, where can people find you and your work on the internet? Yeah. Besides, obviously, Battleship Pretension. Yeah, BattleshipPretension.com. Um, you can email me at YouDoMoviesBadly at gmail.com. Um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, um, and please, I, I think in the year that I've been doing this podcast, I think I've gotten four emails. Um, so I, I'd love, I'd love to hear from people, even if you think I'm, I'm a jerk. And Tyler's going to send me all sorts of emails. No question, <laughs> absolutely. Um, oh, what a jerk you are! On Twitter, uh, Nolan fixes teeth. Um, I do movies badly. Has a Facebook page. You can find me there. And also, um, I know that iTunes is a weird thing where for some reason it only shows like up to my up to episode 19 on my feed for some reason. I have to look into that. But yeah, you, you should definitely look in. I should. But so if you do want to get into my, my back catalog, you can do it on battleshipretention.com. And also, uh, I do movies badly.podbean.com is where I have everything as well. And I know you're wrapping up, but I just wanted to say one more thing. I don't know if I told you guys this before, but the very first episode of Battleship Protection I ever listened to was a horror themed episode. I think it might have been horror versus terror and the difference between the two. Oh, suspense. Suspense. Yeah, okay. Suspense, yeah. And okay. I remember so hearing your the theme song, which is just your regular Battleship Protection theme song, thinking that it was specific for the horror thing because it has a very monsters vibe vibe to it uh-huh. sure um and then i started listening like oh no that's that's just a regular thing but uh, <laughs> and then well and we do have a specialized halloween yeah, theme no, and that, yeah did you remember to put it on I this did. Oh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, did. the footsteps and the creaking door and the scream that's yeah, right yeah. Yeah. yeah that's right i 
I spend usually, a lot of, I think of the eight years, it's probably been on maybe five of the Halloween episodes. <laughs> probably. I usually forget to put it on, but I definitely I spend a lot of money it. on iTunes sound effects to create that thing. So <laughs> we'll go we got to get our money's uh, worth. Go back and listen. Jim, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. This is, this has been a lot of fun. Hey listeners. Thanks for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 